Wonderful. How is everyone doing? Good, good. Someone answered. So that, that means your aunt spoke for everyone. Everyone is good. Excellent. Sorted. Okay. Uh, we're going we're gonna to dive right in because I, I want to make sure we have uh, lots of time for Zach to share. Um, but I have prepared something and I'm going to race through it uh, and just cut out all the stuff that just doesn't need to be said. 1 Corinthians 3. This is uh, if you if you open your Bible or you can read from the screen. This is 1 Corinthians 3, um, starting at the end of verse 9. You are also God's building. Using the gift that God gave me, I did the work of an expert builder and laid the foundation. And someone else is building on it. But each of you must be careful how you build. For God has placed Jesus Christ as the one and only foundation, and no other foundation can be laid. Some will use gold or silver or precious stones in building on the foundation. Others will use wood or grass or straw. And the quality of each person's work will be seen when the day of Christ exposes it. For on that day, fire will reveal everyone's work. The fire will test it and will show its real quality. If what was built on the foundation survives the fire, the builder will receive a reward. But if your work is burnt up, then you will lose it. But you yourself will be saved, as if you had escaped through the fire. So, ancient Corinth, this, this was written to the Corinthians, uh, Paul's first letter. Uh, Corinth was a wealthy port city in Monday, Greece, lots of trade. Uh, lots of people made money there, it had lots of temples. It was a highly educated place of learning with a deep love of wisdom. Paul knew the Corinthians really well. Paul spent a year and a half there. Um, he made friends with Priscilla and Aquila. You can kind of read about that in Acts 18. And a church formed. People came to follow Jesus. So then Paul leaves, and he shares the gospel in some other places, and some other teachers come, and they share also the gospel uh, in their own distinct flavor and style. And later on, Paul starts hearing about all these problems that are going on back at this church in Corinth. And he's wondering what on earth is happening. The first part of the letter is really dealing with this one of some of the major underlying problems, which was disunity. Factions had broken out. Christians all had their favorite leaders. So he starts by addressing the situation. So what's going on behind all of it? Well, next slide, wisdom. Uh, Corinthian culture. Um, so they really loved their philosophers, uh, the, the social status of the philosopher, the teachers. Uh, they conferred a lot of worth to an individual. And, um, and, and so much so that you know, when, when other teachers came along, they started going, well, actually, you know, they, they have some pretty cool ideas too. And how they're saying it, oh, we really like how they're saying it. They loved rhetorical eloquence. It was a big thing in the Roman world to, to speak well, to be a good speech maker. <laughs> Obviously, I wouldn't get that job. <laughs> so a um, lot, of, lot of social status given to those with rhetorical skill. 
and this is an honor-shame culture. So, you know, your position on the social hierarchy is given by several things. In fact, uh, if you move on a slide, there's, those are some of the things that actually give you worth in the Roman world. Now, uh, teachers in antiquity had lots of that status. But Paul probably wasn't quite as impressive by comparison to the other teachers that came in that still preached the gospel, but did it in maybe with some more style. He was weak. He was working class. He didn't have lots of money. He was, uh, you know, the tent maker by trade. His speech probably wasn't as sophisticated as some of these people with more classical training and the sophists. But the next crop of teachers, well, they did sound a bit more impressive. And so they, the, the Corinthians broke off into their factions saying, you know, oh, I, like, I like Apollos' teaching, or I follow Cephas, or some of the originals, you know, oh, no, we, we stick with Paul because he's, he's the guy that started this whole thing with us. And then others, you know, really gave the true Sunday school answer, I follow Jesus. Um, so the letters to the Corinthians starts by dealing with that, um, with the issue of division. Um, thankfully, it's never been an issue again in the church since Paul wrote 1 Corinthians. We've never had this issue and division in the church, I'm sure. <sighs> Lord help us. Um, so Paul wants to turn wisdom on its head. The gospel, he says, is completely foolish. He is a fool. But all of his foolishness, all of his weakness, actually, he says it's wiser than their human wisdom. So we're going to turn to the, the passage and talk through it. Verse 10, Paul is turning to his fellow builders. So he's actually kind of uh, addressing more of the church leaders, the people who are building the church um, in this context, um, away from the rest of the letter, which is probably more general to everyone there. Uh, but this also applies pretty well to general audiences. So verse 11, Jesus is described as the one and only foundation. There's no other foundation for the church. And, uh, you know, he's not saying that people are coming in preaching the wrong gospel. But he starts turning to this thing in verse 12 about how we build on top of the foundation of Christ. Are you using these kinds of materials? Or are you using other types of materials? Well, how do we even know? Well, he says, it seems to suggest that he, we don't really know the quality of someone's work until the day of the Lord comes, when fire comes to test and reveal. Verse 14, for anything that survives God's fire, it's good job and well done. You built something that lasted. You built something that has eternal worth. Verse 15, though, it's like he's saying, would be a real shame if you got to the day of the Lord and found out everything you built came to ashes. It would be a real shame. So as all of our lives, our earthly lives, are presented before God, we are hoping that we can present something more than ashes, even though we know our salvation is secure. We're hoping that we have lived worthy lives, generous lives, big lives, Christ-formed lives, and I think Paul is suggesting something along the lines of, if you look at the larger context, some of those poorer materials are human wisdom. Having your favorite teachers. Moving away from things that aren't founded on Christ. So I like this quote from Richard Hayes. 
No one can expand this foundation by saying, let's add on a new wing founded on wisdom, or let's build a new building on the foundation of scientific knowledge, or our contemporary religious experience requires us to dismantle the foundation and reconstruct it in a different way. Paul does not want us to fall into this trap. Our wisdom comes from the way of Christ. It comes from the gospel. It comes from his teachings, his wisdom, his life, and his way. And we have to be careful because on that day, fire will reveal everyone's work. The fire will test and show its real quality. So Corinth actually had a very uh, bad fire uh, before Paul even got there in 146 when the, the Roman conquest happened. Um, so, and they were, you know, port city, they rebuilt. They would have known what would have st stood the test of fire. So Paul is using very good language with them because they, they were a, con uh, a, a city built up out of precious things. They would have seen everything fall apart. And they would have seen, well, what stands the test of fire? We have to wonder today, maybe it's not a fire that is the, the Lord's fire, but there is a fire going on today. There is a test going on today in our churches, in our lives, in the world. There is inflation. There is crisis in government. There is all these pressures saying, you know, the news is saying, oh, it's going to be a very long winter. Things are getting harder. You will get poorer. And as a charity, Karis have to go deal with inflation. We have to deal with all these things. And, and you know, I'm sure as if, if the, for the church leaders in the room, you know, giving comes under pressure. People stop tithing and people stop giving as much. And it just gets harder. And these tests find out the strength of people's commitment and what they can possibly do. I actually had a whole section on um, today's wisdom, and <laughs> uh, I kind of cut it. Uh, there's one tweet that I wanted to share from that section just that ex explains it quite well. Um, this is today's wisdom. It's It's... It sums it up quite well. <laughs> uh, today's wisdom is pretty much saying this won't last. So I do want to ask a far more important question, though, because it would be easy to uh, just focus on what the world says. We actually need to ask the better question, not about wood, hay, and straw, but how do we build with gold, silver, precious stones? So, this is my question. What building materials have eternal worth to God? Just for one minute, talk, talk on your tables. Okay, I think you guys have already got the right answers anyway. <laughs> it's so short, and I, I, you know, I would ask you what you thought, but I already kind of was listening, and I heard some, some people sharing things already. Um, it, it will be interesting to see, um, yeah, we, we, we can look to the scriptures to tell us. But there is an answer I quite like. Um, if I, here's, here's something from Paul. If I, another question for you, perhaps. If I were to ask you what Paul's boast was, now you guys are very educated. You know, you've, you've been in church a long time, I'm sure. Um, you probably read the scripture from cover to cover. Now, 
What was Paul's boast? Can anyone share the answer? What was Paul's boast? Christ, Christ, yeah, yeah. But Christ crucified, that's, that is a correct answer. But there's more than one. There's more than one answer. Anyone got another option? You? What do you mean? Those who have responded to the ministry that you carried out. That's very good. That's very good. Okay, gold star for Brian. <laughs> if we turn to 2 Corinthians 1.14, one of Paul's boasts, he boasted in his weakness. He loved boasting in his weakness um, because he was turning the foolishness upside down. But one of his main boasts to the Corinthians was saying, what 2 Corinthians 1.14, if we turn there, we will boast of you in the day of the Lord. But actually, if you read more carefully, it seems like he's saying, actually, we're going to boast of each other because of our relationship, because of what we've done in the gospel together, because of our partnership. They built big lives together. They built Christ-centered lives together. They did good things together. And Paul was very keen that his life, he would run it worthily. He would take the grace, the salvation, the gift of Christ, and he would do something with it. You see, our gospel is not just repentance and forgiveness. Our gospel demands a response. It demands social transformation. It demands deep, meaningful lives. It demands deep relationships. And I think that's what I heard from some of you saying, what do we present before God? It is our lives, it's our relationships, it is the people. That is what we carry into the new creation. There will be a renewal of all things, all things will be restored, but what do we present to God? It will be our lives, it will be our relationships, and how we lived the gospel and followed him. So, um, I want to close with, do I skip all this stuff? I probably do. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm going to just do one of these. So I had, I had all these um, quotes from the early Christians because I, just, I, I did a study on them and I just found it so fascinating learning about what, what was said about the early Christians. Um, what did they say about themselves? And I'll, I'll read this one from Athenagoras. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Uh, 177. If you could go to that slide with Athenagoras. No one among the philosophers has been able to purge one's soul to such an extent as to love one's enemy. Yet among us you will find uneducated persons and artisans and old women who, even if they cannot prove their benefit of our faith through words, through their deeds, they prove the benefit that results from our devotion. For they do not memorize speeches, but rather they exhibit good works. When struck, they do not strike back. And when they are robbed, they do not bring charges. To everyone who asks of them, they give. And they love their neighbors as themselves. These are the types of Christ communities that were formed and I have way more examples that I'm not going to share. 
but it's to do with people who are formed in the image of Christ. And that will, it will be, hopefully, what we can present to the Lord's if we are builders of his church, if we are building on Christ. And that is what I think our boast should be with Karis is are we leading people towards the, the Jesus that we preach? Are we leading people towards loyal love? Are we leading people towards generosity and compassion? And that goes for us, and that goes for them. This ministry is, as Zach has said, a gospel ministry. We do all these things and put these structures in place to facilitate the goal of Jesus Christ and the vision of his new humanity on earth. So I hope that will be our boast, that we can present to the Lord rich lives and deep relationships and a people that we have, for our part, shared in the gospel message. Because Christ will reveal the worth of our work one day with Karis and with our lives. And I hope that it does not turn to ashes um, because we want to live lives of eternal worth. And I really hope um, that we as a people in this room can also do likewise. All right, Zach, I think it is over to you.